Hello, hello. Welcome to another funky marketing show. Uh, it's the show where I'm uh, welcoming great people doing amazing things for amazing companies or for themselves. And today I have a pleasure to welcome uh, the guy who is uh, my friend. He was, uh, he was working for one of the companies that we work with as well and still work. And uh, he is a great young, I would call him a strategist and uh, basically someone who is uh, right now working as a senior inbound marketer at the company called User Guiding based in, based in Turkey. Uh, and we'll talk about all kinds of stuff, including inbound marketing, and we'll try to tell you why your B2B company needs to become a media company, something that they are doing with user guiding. So uh, welcome uh, me in wishing a word welcome to, to Selman. Selman, welcome to the show. Hey, Namaya. Great to be here. Uh, thanks for inviting me. Um, yeah. Hey everyone, um, it's great to be here. How are you? What's uh, what's the weather like in, in Istanbul? I guess you're there now. No. Um, yeah, I'm in Istanbul. Uh, I'm great. I'm working from home, so I don't really check out the weather unless I'm going to go shopping or just yeah, you know let some sun in. As you can see from my uh, curtains, they're usually closed, uh, but it's usually rainy these days. And yeah, it's going to keep being rainy and snowy until the spring. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, re I remember Orhan Pamuk and, and the books about Istanbul and the pictures oh, yeah. with, with the snow and everything. It yeah. can be beautiful in snow as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if it snows, it usually uh, is rare in Turkey, in Istanbul especially, but if it snows, it's beautiful. Yeah, that's. How's going with you? Uh, going good, going good these days. Quite dynamic, changing, changing the team a little bit, change, uh, redesigning the the website, going from uh, from demand gen to something wider, which is actually the growth and focusing on relationship centric marketing. So trying to you know to talk about the things in a different manner because I yeah. feel like we're all talking in the same language about the same things and it actually bores me it's not that we need to be different but it's something that's boring to me so trying to change all those things and with that you know trying to uh to change a little bit the team so i have the right people to implement um all what i want to do so kind of that's what's going on what's going on with with you and user guiding um, yeah, we're trying to you know, increase our, uh, improve our channels, increase our, you know, um, traffic, um, visitor website visitors and signups, etc. We're trying to scale. Uh, that's what a startup would, would do. And yeah, we're doing good. We're, we're trying everything we can. We're doubling down on what works. So trend, yeah. Uh, we recently grew our content team and marketing team, which was, the, I think, the smallest team in the company. Now it's the largest team. So it was a huge nice. Nah, so so you, you are you are walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're trying to like, scale things up. And yeah, we're doing it at the moment. It's all exciting. And I'm all excited about the funky changes. I'm following you guys closely. Um, sounds exciting. Exciting, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I was thinking about where should we start with, and I think like Alexander's questions are great for the start. So, so let's see what's your background, and you know, how did you actually start learning about not only about writing, but about copy and content yeah. in general. You know, like did you did you uh, wrote before when you were younger and growing up, like, or you were just a reader like I am? Um, I always wrote, like, I, uh, from the start, like, I always wrote some stuff, stories, I don't know, poems sometimes, sometimes tried to write lyrics, um, usually failed them, I like, <laughs> not failed them, but didn't really see success, as you're not seeing my best-selling books on, you know, New York Times, but, um, 
uh, yeah, I, I always wrote. And before like getting into marketing, I wrote for, uh, I wrote papers uh, uh, for school and sometimes I wrote in freelance mm -hmm. uh, blog posts. Um, I'd say blog posts, usually blog posts. Yeah, that's what freelancers are writing at the moment. And I, uh, I studied translation in university, so I actually translated a lot of stuff as a freelancer as well. Just like rewriting the same stuff in another languages, so that could count as well. So yeah, I had a huge writing um, background before I even uh, learned about the M of marketing. And then coming to user guiding, I was a freelancer like two and a half years ago. I started as a freelancer and then it was just marketing from everywhere. I worked with some great guys, the best in Turkey, I would say. Yeah. And yeah, um, they helped me learn about marketing and how content strategy plays the role in a company's growth. So I always knew how to write. And I just knew how to write for the audience. So that's what we scaled on. Uh, I wouldn't call myself a copywriter. Not at the moment, actually. I'm trying to improve on that. But yeah, I know writing and content marketing well, thanks to my background and the guys over here. Yeah, like it's it sounds like we we talk a lot here about you know about the background and about the things that we can used to kind of get better in uh, in writing content or copy or if it's or just like um you know captions on, on the social media post and you know we talked about comics we talked about i don't know different uh different books for kids like yesterday we talked with uh with daniel but like poems are also good because like if you are really good poet you can you can tell it all in just a few lines yeah and, and that's a mastery if you reach that level yeah for sure i mean yeah there's you have to give um whatever i'm writing i actually try to like uh whoever is a good writer they they all do that when they're writing they have to mean more in less you know the longer the sentence gets it's just gets boring and uh, in an unentertaining. So I would say that's that's a good skill uh, if you have practice in poem, uh, writing poems. So yeah, that, that would be a good skill for a marketer, I think. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if that's interesting to people, but it's interesting to me because I remember the one of the famous um, writers here in Serbia, the guy who they say brought the university to the country, nobody like knows him as a, as a poet. And he was writing other stuff. Uh, but when I when I was looking at the, the Serbian poetry from 19th century, the first the first poem in 19th century was his, and it was just a few lines when he says, "In this very hour, I'm not losing." anything with saying that i will always love you that's it wow like he just showed the, the skill and said that's in that's all yeah. that i need to do yeah what poems do what poem uh poets do actually is like um they actually talk about themselves and their feelings and you know the events that uh happen around them but they talk in a way that's actually that's why people love poems i think they talk in a way that's relatable and that's actually something that copywriters do. So I think there might be a connection there. Someone would, um, if someone would want to improve themselves on copywriting, maybe checking out poems as well would be interesting too. Yeah, and I think you mentioned that that uh, you know your background is in translation as well. And I think there there's a there's a thing over there that not many people know. Maybe you don't think of. Because, you know, when you translate things, you don't translate yeah. literally. You need to localize it. So, and like translating something from, I don't know, from English to Turkish language. Yeah. Can, you know, you need to tell it in completely new way. Yeah. Because it's a different culture, different looking at things, different way of living and different expressions. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, there. Uh, if you check, like, for any language, if you check, there are actually um, some very skilled poets that are actually doing poem translations because the regular translators, like interpreters, can't do that because it's hard. Like, you're actually writing a poem that needs to convey the same feeling. Which is, I think, again, another uh, great um, skill to have for a copywriter, to, you know. Yeah, and, and I'm working with uh, with a company, I think is our uh, oldest client that are doing <laughs> translation and localization. And, you know, I, I'm amazed of, uh, you know, I didn't think of it before. But when I see what they are doing, like in marketing as well, like if you go into tourism, if you go into, uh, you know, those things that are localized for each market, you can see how your marketing materials, websites and everything need to be turned to not to your country, wherever you are, for example, in tourism, but to the people that are coming over there and you need to attract them. But, you know, then again, when they are here, the apps, the the websites, all the promo materials, they need to be in their language. Yeah. So it's like two-way street and it's something totally, you know, um, being able to explain them in their own way, some localisms, it's not easy tasks at all. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're actually trying like this. And story storytelling is, is huge with that part. Yeah. We're actually trying to like translate our website, like localize for different markets, uh, which we were successful in uh, porting in the Portuguese market, thanks to our team members Marta and Emre. You know, um, we, we we achieved some success, but would we achieve more success if we actually dwell more into the messaging? I would say yes, more even better conversion rates, etc. So yeah, I think you have to actually relate to your audience it's just not it's it's not just words but meanings behind them so yeah that's a, that's actually a great uh, a great next topic that might be good like uh how did you start to you know um, what are some things that you need to do before you actually start putting out content because you guys put a lot of content out yeah. Give me give me an example how many how many pieces of content you produce on a monthly level. Um we go around I say between 30 and 50 at the moment. Uh just because we're actually like just grew, grew the team and we're actually onboarding the new people like slowly uh, getting up to speed. But I would say we would actually target like 50 pieces of content or like reworks a month which is more than one piece of content daily. And what we actually do is, um, as you said, like what you weren't doing before that you're doing now is actually um, would be improving the quality of the content because when I first started here, um, my mind was all in the game of game of numbers, you know, because I haven't seen, okay, how many words can I put out? How many articles can I put out? Because I wasn't really a marketer when I started writing. I was just a writer. So it was a more of a quantity than quality for me at the moment. I mean, I was already writing quality stuff, but um, I didn't know, like, I, I didn't go into analytics that much. And after that, like, uh, once I started enjoying writing an article, we'll say, like, ebook or other stuff, anything that's written. Um, once I started enjoying that, and then, like a few months later, I saw these saw results on that article, specific article, one that I enjoyed the most, uh, the one that I did everything to enrich in the contents, uh, added some examples, some videos, uh, you know, some I don't know, analogies, did a good intro, etc. Like after that, everything started to get better for that content piece. Which is like the time the realization came to make it, that quality actually matter for uh, business results. Not for me, maybe um, for me writing more or like having the team write more would be more 
uh, of a success in some people's eyes, but in the end, uh, it's what you bring to the business more than it's what you do, like what you actually do. You can actually work an hour uh, a week and do more doing uh, instead of doing like 40 hours of uh, unnecessary stuff. Yes, that's what that's, I would say. The quality. That's true. That's true. Um, when you joined the team, did you have the goals? What were the goals and what are goals now? I'm kind of interested to find out, you know, how did those things change if they did? Yeah. Um, when, when well, I was like mean, meaning, meaning uh, the goals for the content. Yeah, goals for the content. When I signed up, the actually, actual goals were uh, let's cover as much as we can. Like, cover different topics as much as we can. Get website traffic, which is what a lot of people are doing at the moment uh, in terms of their content strategy. It's website traffic. That's what I what we all hear. Like we grew to website traffic from zero to ten million. But how much did you grow the revenue? That's what we were looking at the moment. We did that transformation a while ago. A long while ago actually like um, a year after I started and we actually started to focus on what the content brought to the business is it an MQL they did they download the ebook and give out their emails or uh, you know is it a PQL did they sign up to the product used it etc is it an SQL did they you know, contact the sales team asked for a question, maybe are they getting a demo, etc. That's what we're focusing on article to improve conversions, not for the whole blog, but for like every single piece of article there is. We try to maximize conversions, which is what a lot of um, great companies that are doing content are trying to do. Biggest example being HubSpot. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Like the goals have changed from actually improving the website visitors to contributing to the business content. What, what was that uh, like switch um, hard in a way of, you know, like now maybe the traffic is, is going down. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know that you're going to grow it again if you focus on the right stuff and it will be the right traffic, but still like one of the... Um, one of the indicators that you were following is is going down. So so that's yeah. kind of, you know changing the way that you feel about it. It's kind of it was kind of terrifying at first, like seeing maybe the article that brought the most site most website traffic going down. It's terrifying because it's it's just bringing everything down. But um, we didn't see actually like in overall traffic, we didn't see a decrease. But our um, increasing, increase our rate of increasing has decreased, I would say. But we never stopped decreasing uh, because we're still putting out content in um, high volume searches. Uh, by the way, I'm talking about organic search mm-hmm. here. So yeah. Um, so you know, they it, when it decreases, it's terrifying at first because you know uh, it's going to hurt some metrics that you were actually prioritizing before but now um you know that article that brings you the most traffic isn't actually related to your business or uh, doesn't have to uh possibility of actually converting to your business with leads or let's say revenue so you you relieve that part uh once you do that switch and you see certain metrics decrease you know that that's not important this one's more important you can look at articles and say, okay, you're not important to me. You're important to me and stuff like that. Yeah. Do, do you have different, different goals, uh, related to the, to, to the, to the content? So like this one is just for uh, education, yeah. this far, uh, like yeah. how further they are down the funnel. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, we have each, for each article, that's, um, something I think HubSpot does very well. Um, if you've ever been to, like, you've probably seen HubSpot content if you have a business and you actually wonder about something in a metric stuff. They have tons of content and tons of material all around the web, actually. You don't have to, like, 
they don't have to find you. You you just find them instantly when you do a search. So what they do is if you go to any any of top spots big articles, they actually offer you some further assistance. Like each article has different uh, version of further assistance. So you went to this, I don't know, um, email subject line, email, let's say email open rate increasing uh, guide, something like that, how to increase my email opening rate. Uh, so you go into that article and it come up with you, like a pop-up comes up and says, okay, download this 500 email subject lines tested, something like that, contents. Uh, some uh, content upgrade. So you download them, that, and then you could become a marketing qualified lead, which makes you available at their disposal with the, on the email, on their email list. So that's what actually we're trying to do. Like um, try to make every content matter for our customers, actually provide further assistance to them. This is the point. Like, uh, the difference between uh, our content and the other content on the SaaS pages, I would say, we're trying to offer further help with maybe downloadable content, maybe writing an article, we're trying to offer like some um, executable stuff directly. You can go and apply this, go and apply this, etc. For some articles, that's obviously uh, when you have a product and you're trying to help them solve a problem that can be solved with your product. Obviously, you're going to promote your product. We try to do that without actually disturbing the UX of the reader. Like every uh, five seconds, a pop-up comes up. Hey, download our product. Hey, sign up to our product. Hey, uh, get a demo. Uh, on, uh, uh, in contrary, we're actually trying to do it. Like whenever there's need, we're actually trying to do it there, or we're providing examples from our products, etc. So for some articles, it's actually getting them to sign up to our product. For some articles, it's downloading an extra content, uh, a content upgrade, or you know, signing up to our email newsletter for more content, stuff like that. So, so basically, CTAs are either integrated inside the articles, so they don't break the natural flow of the reader. But also, but also as uh, as as pop-ups, meaning you know you're reading this. Here's an extra resource that can help you do things right away. So mm-hmm. you can you can download it, and then if it's the extra resource, then of course you will ask for the you know for the email uh, and sign up. Just because you know if they are interesting in extra resources, you will send them more in the future. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely what we're, what we're trying to do. There's actually pop-ups. I said like, uh, not pop-ups like sign up to our product, but that's we try to actually respect the reader's experience because uh, we all read stuff, and it's it's kind of cruel to actually disturb the experience of any visitor. So in the pop-ups, there's actually no sign up and stuff like that, but ebooks or you know reports. Um, checklists, templates, stuff like that. During the pop-ups, it's like coming uh, specialized to the pages. Yeah, yeah, that that sounds that sounds good. I think that's how how in general we should look at at the content. You know, yeah. not to get not to gate all the content, but to gate the resources. Yeah, because sure. that that's what's what's valuable over there, and that can get us like who's interested more than just reading the article who is interested in implementation and going yeah. going further down the road yeah um one thing i noticed like um the readers they have a goal you know search intent that's what um if you don't know about it there is a video on not actually on youtube but on it uh, i think vimeo or something about from samuel Hulik about search intent and jobs to be done and they have they're trying to achieve something especially if you're a b2b business they're trying to do something for their business like trying to improve some metric trying to implement something new so whenever they search for something there's always a next step 
like how to increase my email. Yeah. So, so the circle never stops. Yeah, circle never stops. How to increase my email open rate. They read the stuff, get inspired. What's next? They're going to go and send some emails or try some stuff or, uh, I don't know, connect it to, you know, some tester, A-B test programs, A-B test software to actually try something new. So uh, you have to be there for the next step. If your product is the next step, you have to be at the previous step offering the best content you can. You can. Yeah, and, and I think that is something uh, like Jay Abraham uh, talked about. I don't know if you know about him, but he's one of the legends of, of marketing, of direct response and, and those kind of things. And, uh, you know, basically I'm trying to explain people that marketing is just, you know, in getting to know your potential clients or customers and finding out the ways which they are using to get to the solution of, of the problem that they are having or yeah. the, the places where they are, you know, uh, if they are not looking, then, you know, how you can get them uh, to see that they actually have a problem. But basically marketing is here to, to not to make a new path, but be there on their journey when they are going in each step of the way and give them what they need exactly uh, the amount they need for that step to go further. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's what I've been seeing all over the, the websites that do great content do. They don't actually market their product, their product, they market their templates. Now that's something new. Uh, I see all over the like, best business blogs that I'm reading. Um, for example, Zapier does this a lot. So they, um, they create this content for, let's say you can go up and look at like for analytics platforms. Uh, they have this article on, I don't know, segments, mix panel, Lupra, et cetera. So at the end of each tool, they go over there and under that you can connect mix panel to your, I don't know, let's say Google analytics with this zap. And then you click on that and then it just directs you to the zap that which integrates Mixpanel to the Google app. That's just, um, they're there for the next step. So you're going into, you know, you're trying to connect Google Analytics to your Mixpanel so you can tra track something further. Um, that's where the Zapier needs to be, the step of that. So the next step is just connecting them and then they offer you the easy solution. Yeah, we have this template already, just go connect this or, you know, um, as I said with the email subject lines, maybe like we have thousand free templates on our tool, email, uh, tool. You can go in here and send them, start sending them immediately. Yeah. It's, it's not always time for the big ask, the big ask, there needs to be built the answer for the big yeah. ask. And that's, uh, I think something, uh, you know, companies rarely think about. Some some of them yes, but I think that's uh, that's also related to you know to the to the question that uh, that we also got about the dark funnel, because like doing things that won't scale, that you know we cannot measure sometimes are steps in that journey and are steps towards building building yeah. the answer. So have you seen uh, you know have you got the feedback from the customer like you know they were reading. For example, one article, they found it somewhere on social media. Then they, you know, they were looking for the answer for something else. They found you on Google. How, how is the journey going? Because I think, you know, you are creating the content, but also distributing it. Yeah. Just so, so they can find it in a place when they are comfortable uh, of consuming it. Yes. So the uh, journey isn't always clear. That's what dark phone is about. It's actually dark. You can't see it. You need to actually learn about it and the best way to learn about it you can no analytics platform is going to show you the secret steps you customers take to get to you if google google analytics if hubspot if, if i don't know Vupra doesn't show you where they came from or what they've experienced during the journey you just can't find that uh it's impossible without asking the customer at the end so or just uh trying to actually 
predict where they came from. So one example would be like our biggest, our uh, best working articles would be two examples, I think. So if you ask me, uh, our product is actually a user onboarding platform in, in the core. But if you ask me, I would say our product is a user manual creation platform. But that's what a customer said once in a user interview. And if you actually look up to Google, you can't see much. Like if, if you actually looked it up on SEMrush or Ahrefs, you can't see much traffic to that place. Or uh, you can't see any competitor of us having any content on that. So it's not, there's no way we could have found that keyword without actually talking to our customers and seeing how they would call your product. Or yeah, I don't have any, I don't remember any examples about the channels. Like we, we found you through this channel. It's usually Google organic, but uh, in Google organic, things can be dark as well. Uh, there can be dark, you know, dark source for their traffic to your website. There can be this small keyword that has, I don't know, 10 traffics a month, which nine of them could be your customers in the next month. So yeah, that could be a great, that could be a good example in terms of content marketing. But for overall marketing, yeah, I would say there's definitely, you need to check in with your customers, ask them do maybe success sessions, ask them where they came from to shed lights on their journey. Maybe you can you can tell a little bit. I know it's it's not your uh, specific job, but it's what you guys are doing. And I think that's great. Like uh, your customer success team and your product managers are actually talking uh, talking to the customers yeah. and you know trying to find out the information exactly what you've been talking about. Like how satisfied are they? You know, it's always harder yeah. to get those that aren't satisfied, but talking to, uh, you know, the majority of them, you can find the patterns that work. And it's not only that you optimize based on the, you know, based on the the search number of, uh, of traffic coming to the website, yeah. number of revenue, but also like having a real conversation with the real people. Yeah. Um, so our product and actually our product team and customer success team separately interviews our customers on a regular basis. Uh, success team does it for, you know, success stories, case studies, stuff like that, so that we can see actually what our product is being used for. And the product team does it for product research. And the thing is, that's what we work with Funk Marketing on an, uh, you know, uh, an ebook, like aligning customer success, sales, and marketing, which I would add definitely product as well in there, if you ever to ask me now. So um, that's what we do is we actually go into the user interviews and success stories and stuff like that to look for keywords now. We don't actually look for like, okay, they're, they're solving this problem, but what did they call our product? No, because in the end, um, whatever that pops up in your mind, for imagine you're searching for a product um, for example, I see this post on Instagram a lot. There's these, there are these balls that stick to the uh, top of your ceiling and they shine, they're shiny. You've probably seen them. They're all over the, they were all over the internet a while ago. And I tried to look up, look it up because the page I've seen, the, the advertisement I've seen, they're sourced, like they, they were out of stock. I couldn't find anything similar. So I searched the Google for uh, shiny balls that stick to the ceiling <laughs> and they're probably named, I don't know, they were like glow up sticky balls, something like that. And that's pretty, uh, that's, that's a pretty weird name that I couldn't come up with. But what I came up with that to name that product in my mind was that, and if, if I were the owner of that business of balls, you know, those balls that stuck to the ceiling. I would just go for that keyword as well. And that's what we're trying to do with these interviews as well. Like we're trying to learn what they call our product, what they call the certain pain point they're experiencing. 
they've experienced before using our product. What? Well, let me know how how further were you uh, from the start at you know at guessing what are they doing with the product and you know uh, how are they calling it and those things. Were you, were you close or uh, it was you know it was something completely different? Um, for some cases, it's it's um, if you asked us like a year ago, you would call us ourselves like call the product. I don't know, user onboarding platform, product adoption software, stuff like that. You create basically interactive tours in your product. And once we look at the um, user interviews, customer success stories, you see people call uh, your product very different things. There are people that call you like, there's no general calling, there's no general name or category they're looking for. Everyone's literally, everyone's different from each other. Some of them call it user onboarding tool. Some of them call it digital adoption software, but most of them call it different names. And that's actually surprising to know that there are actually like 20 different categories looking for just sing, just a single product. So in the end, we came up with, I don't know, uh, guided tour software, um, user manual creation software, and I don't know, um, no, yeah, no code tools was another thing that they were looking for. And yeah, there are a lot of other stuff like in-app messaging software, in-app tutorials, um, stuff like that, like self-serve onboarding tools. Um, we, we see people mentioning those a lot and it's like they're naming our category for ourselves since it's not, a, not this huge category like CRMs. They're just naming it for us. Nice. That sounds good. So um, tell me if if there is an answer to the questions like why SaaS companies should actually uh, invest in building themselves to be a media company. Mm -hmm. what, what would you answer? Um, for me, I think every company at, at some point needs to become a media, media company. If you have a product that you can sell over the internet and not like, I don't know, if you're selling, um, even I was going to say, if you're selling like daily fresh meat, uh, you shouldn't uh, create content. But I've seen a lot of um, like butcher companies, like companies that do like premium cuts of meat, etc., create like sponsor videos sponsor youtube videos create content on the internet for like how rare should your steak be etc so i think in 2021 it's not just b2b but it's every company that needs to be a content uh a content producer a media company because that's where people are today and they have to trust you uh they have trust issues for me i have trust issues if i sue if i see more than to one star reviews on a product, I just leave it. Um, so what I would say is, instead of um, going for the traditional way for B2B companies, which is advertisements or outbound or you know sales traditional approach, which is the sales, calling out, cold calling, cold emailing businesses, instead of you going for them, you should proactively create content for them, which is, as we said, they're having a problem and then there's a next step, which is solving that problem or uh, getting closer to solving that problem. If they're trying to learn about the problem, the next step is they need to get inspired. And then after getting inspired, they need to execute it. If you're there for every step of the way, then um, there's, there's, there, doesn't, there isn't any need for them to actually uh, go for another business. If you're there, um, when a company searches for, I don't know, how to increase my email open rates, if you're there for, uh, with the content called 10 ways uh, people psychologically open emails, if you're there with that content, and then for the next step, you're offering them a thousand opening line examples for the inspiration. And then after that, if you're there with your products, create and send emails and do A-B tests. If you're there with, with the execution step as well, then you're there for the every step and they don't need to check for an alternative or a competitor. 
which is my reason basically why everyone should invest in content because you need to actually add value to their lives to your customers lives so that they end up buying from you yeah it's uh, i was just this morning reading about strategic narrative and those kind of things and you basically got got through there because like uh you know your strategic narrative and your story lives in the heads of your customers and you know and you need to find a way to get there it's not easy to get inside their heads and you know you just explained way the way it can be done and the way it should be done so um one more uh outside of all this or maybe not uh question like we got um if there is one marketing strategy that you would choose right now what would it be um for the long term or the short term i know alexander we can, we, we can go with both we can go with both okay for the short term i would say just yeah you know paid advertisements um because yeah you can have a great copy of great preview ad and put it on the website and get results in uh less than two days i would say if your products if your sales cycle is uh short enough you can get results in like two days with, adverts, with good advertisements uh for the long term if you're uh, just, just just to ask you for for that like um when you say advertising you means going with with sales or going with content distribution amplified through ads or going through something else i'd say all of them yeah mm -hmm. again depends on uh what the user needs at that moment what the uh, consumer needs at that moment if they're at the stage where like you can directly market your product but you have this amazing resource that you can actually make them download and get their email and add them to your you know cycle uh, workflow you know cycle uh that's what you should do but if you can actually market them your product this is the stage where they're at. they're they're actually searching for i don't know um marketing software stuff like that you can actually market your product but if they're searching for how to improve your marketing you can maybe um go to the search ad for your content distribute your content through ads uh which would make much so much more sense for that stage and for the long term i would say definitely organic search um because that's what people are doing even if there was this um yeah but I, i'd say definitely organic search google uh youtube wherever your audience searches for a problem if you're actually if you have like a barbecue product like uh, a smoker you should be on youtube since they learn how to smoke stuff from there but if you have like um especially if you're b2b business you should be on google um with organic search organic traffic should be your go to marketing strategy if you are in the game for more than a year which is the average time i think most businesses see real results from organic traffic because it's much more scalable and in the end it's it's the least affordless one um in the long term you have to actually maintain your ads all over uh keep buying keep hiring more uh, sales personnel to keep the outreach going but for organic traffic you just build over it it gets increasingly uh bigger your uh content size uh your website visitors your signups and without effort that will be sounds good i love the answers and i very much align align with them uh so tell me tell me tell me is there something that we didn't talk about that you want to mention or you want to talk about we talk about a lot of stuff and i think it was a great combo just going going and going and going i think we gave people a lot of value uh but is there something that we missed um i don't know maybe where to start would be i mean yeah we're uh, maybe connect what you said in different questions and give uh, whoever's like going into organic search, going into you know organic marketing, like 
SEO marketing stuff. Uh, we could give them, uh, we could actually put the questions, put the answers together in a bit. So yeah, my suggestion would be for that part, uh, you should actually listen to your customers first because the keywords that are that they are speaking from is who your actual customers are. You need more people like the customers you already have. So you need more ways to actually capture those same exact people that talk the same language, that have the same problems, etc. So yeah, the first step in in a very good organic organic search based marketing strategy would be just listening to your customers as Nemanja and Funky Marketing would approve. Um, and the second step would be to produce good content at any stage of the user journey. It doesn't matter what, like, you can't just make them jump uh, five steps at a time. Like, you can make people jump five steps at a stage, so you can make them jump five steps in a funnel. Um, so be there with good content at each stage of the journey. And all of them doesn't have to be like um, you know, search engine oriented or search engine optimized, but some of them can be just follow-ups of previous content, which were bringing traffic. So yeah, that, that's what I would say to like- um, I have another question that came to my mind. So, and I'm kind of interesting. I see a lot of people talk about it. Just uh, want to hear your your view. Like, people go. Should we have um, buyer personas of the people we are targeting, or the customers we are targeting, or we should have uh, we should go with jobs to be done? That's uh, kind of uh, a discussion I'm seeing all over the LinkedIn. So, just want to get your five cents on it. I would say it's in the end. It's it's really. Uh, based on your business, because it's really based on your customer base. If you can make a pattern out of your customer base, that's your buyer persona. But if you can't, which is what the problem for us, like not problem, which is the fact with us as well. Like we don't have this buyer persona that's like, okay, we have, we're, we're doing this product for product managers, or we're doing this product for, um, you know, like business owners. So if you can say the same thing for every user and you can create actually a pattern, you need to uh, go for jobs to be done. Like what are they trying to do? What are these different uh, profiles of people are trying to do? But if you can, for example, uh, our product can't actually make create buyer personas on a very common level because all of our personas are different, but for a product like product plan or ClickUp, they can. It's just project managers who are having a problem, you know, organizing their teams, etc. So yeah, that's what I would say. It's based on your business and overall pattern of your customers. Sounds good. Sounds good. I like the answer because it's it's you should we should never replicate just because somebody else is doing yeah. or telling us what's good for them. It doesn't mean it's good for us. We need to get to know our customers and our business so we can know what what are the things that we can replicate and what are some things that we need to do differently. Yeah, the one addition I would make is it's not actually the buyer persona. When you're doing buyer persona jobs to be done you're actually attacking the common points of your customers in both cases. So if it's product managers who are having a hard time organizing tasks in all of your customers, then that's your buyer persona. But if it's, I would say jobs to be done can also be considered as a buyer persona because even if the job title and I don't know, demographics of those people are not the same, they all have the same problem. So that's actually a persona as well. I mean, we're, on a daily level, I'm not I'm not a content marketer. I'm just someone having some exact problem that I'm trying to solve. So that's what I would say. Yeah, I agree. That sounds good. So uh, tell me and everybody listening where they can find more information about you. Um, yeah, for now, you can check my LinkedIn account. And um, yeah, you feel free to message me. We can talk about content and marketing and 
if you have insights from me, that's welcome. Uh, if you are yeah, curious of anything, I'm also curious. So uh, we can see if, you know, where, where marketing is going and I can, I'll try to be helpful as, as much as I can. I just like to chat with people. Yeah, Salman is a good guy, always ready to jump in on a call with a beer or yeah. whatever and just chat about it, We're talking about it. Like, I think when I finish everything that I have for today, I think I will need a beer. As well, yesterday was a, was a night for basketball and I think to, today is the day for the beer. Yeah. Sounds uh, sounds interesting. Okay, man. Thanks for for doing this. Thanks for being uh, for being my guest on the Funky Marketing Show, uh, guys. I think you need to go through this episode uh, multiple times. We said lots of things. Selman gave you great insights of the way you know he sees uh, how the company can become the media company, why it should become that, how you should use uh, you know. See the great examples as HubSpot, as user guiding is, and you know, try to use whatever you feel is right for your business and make it happen. Um, but also like how powerful uh, inbound marketing can be if done the right way with the right goals. So um, for the end, I just want to say tell you one thing. Um, keep it funky, guys, and talk another time. Bye-bye.